0: This episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. It's still chilly out there, and if you are feeling chilly inside your house, you know what you need to do. It's time to talk to your local Pella Omaha Lincoln experts about taking a closer look at your windows. You can save energy. But most importantly, you can stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed. The patented Pella way by Pros, using window and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Uh, you, you better get out and take advantage of the final temperature Tuesday where the, the temperature at 6 a.m. in Runza land will be the... Price you pay for an original Runza sandwich when you purchase a medium fry and a medium drink. It's been chilly. There's been some days for some free Runzas. It's going to be a little warmer this week, but still, you're going to be paying like a quarter for an original Runza sandwich. So get out there. Take advantage uh, because this deal is coming to an end uh, once February is done. No more Temperature Tuesdays. So get out to Runza. Take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays. And while you're there, tell them your pal Nick Ba sent you. Okay, I uh, apologize for being a little bit tardy getting this podcast out. Uh, certainly the the crazy time of year is in full swing with college hoops, uh, especially my season coming up to an end. I think my last TV game is, is scheduled for March 6th, but I got a bunch of travel and a bunch of games to do in the meantime. I uh, was at Iowa over the weekend, uh, Penn State and Iowa. watched Luca Garz become the Hawkeyes' all-time leading scorer, but didn't get back to uh, my house until late, so I had to record this here. I'm recording this on a, on a Monday morning. And I wanted to fire up a mailbag pod, uh, because uh, they're certainly always fun for me to, you know, get a sense of what some of you guys are thinking, and and always field your questions. So I put it out there on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, on the uh, and, and that you could email me any questions you got on a variety of topics. I, I couldn't get to them all. I always love to be able to uh, digest all these things. Uh, you know, I got some carryovers from. Uh, old mailbags, but uh, if I don't answer your question, I apologize, and I will try to at some point in a mailbag get your question answered. As always, I appreciate everybody uh in it, participating because you guys make this whole thing possible. But uh okay, so yeah, so this going we mean you bouncing a couple of different topics around with some mailbag questions. So let's get into it. I want to start with uh, with a, a question from tim uh, via email and it's kind of topical because it's something that happened uh, in newsworthy in the nebraska football world and uh that is the hiring of uh, of jason peter and jay foreman uh, he just says nick what do you think of scott frost bringing on jason peter and jay foreman as volunteers to help with the nebraska football program uh yeah so that news broke kind of over the weekend and you know for me uh, full disclosure, I know both guys. I know Jason better than I know Jay, but I've always had a good rapport with Jay. Uh, and then Jason Peters has been a guy that's always been incredibly supportive of me. And I've always got along with Jason ex- extremely well. Uh, so I-, I-, I like it. I'm excited. Um and I get it. You know, there could be people who kind of crack jokes about it. It used to be kind of a running joke uh, over the last 15 years or so. The oh, Nebraska needs to bring back, uh, you know, they need to bring back Grant Worcester with Jason Peter to coach the defensive line. They need to bring back uh, Jay Foreman to coach the linebackers. They need to bring back, uh, you know, Ralph Brown and Mike Brown to coach the defense you know, like bring back all the old Huskers to coach and all that stuff. But – I, I think when I look at this, these guys, but first of all, they're volunteer assistants. I mean, they're not going to be like on the sidelines with a headset on making, you know, decisions like that. Um, but I think it can only help. I, I really do. I know for me, you know, because I, I really was thinking about this on my drive yesterday back from Iowa City to to come back to the crib. And, you know, I know a team – Everybody wants a team to have kind of one collective soul and mind and heartbeat, but a team is just a collection of a bunch of individuals, right? And for a football team, you talk about a, a hundred plus individuals, and managing each individual can be challenging. I mean, you get everybody to think about we and not me, but nevertheless, there there is that individualized aspect of a team, and I, I just I was reflecting on my time in, in as a college basketball player, and I just don't think you can. Never underestimate the impact that someone on the staff can have on you personally. Never underestimate what one assistant coach or one uh, graduate assistant or whatever can can have that that impact that they can have on a player. And I was thinking about, and this isn't to name drop, but I know for me. I had a real connection with Danny Manning when I was at Kansas for two years. And this was when Danny was just getting into coaching. I think his exact role was a graduate manager. Like, he wasn't a legitimate, like, quote-unquote, assistant coach. Uh, But Danny was around every day. He was at practice every day. He was at workouts every day. And I had a connection with him. And it made a big difference for me. He was someone that I could really talk to and I could kind of confide in on a variety of levels with frustrations or concerns or thoughts or whatever. And I just know sometimes, sometimes you are more comfortable going to someone like that in a Danny Manning role as a graduate manager over a legit assistant coach or even the head coach if you're just wanting to kind of vent some frustrations or you have something going on with you personally right like sometimes you know if 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 someone's frustrated it's it's easier for it's easier to go to uh to Danny Manning over you know Tim Jankovich or Joe Dooley the top assistants Norm Roberts was one of the top assistants or even Bill Self for me Like, it just was. And sometimes I was more comfortable talking with with Danny Manning about things than I was going to the head coach. And that's what I kind of see with with Jason Peter and Jay Foreman first. More so than than all the other things, like, I think they can potentially kind of be a conduit for the players to the coaching staff in a variety of ways. And I just think that stuff matters. Having someone that is... You know, they're a part of the coaching staff, but a different part of the coaching staff that you can talk to about things is really, really important. It matters. And, you know, when when certain players maybe start to get frustrated or got something weighing on them, whatever the case is, maybe they can lean on Jason or Jay as opposed to going to, you know, Ryan Held or to- Tony Tuioti or whoever or, or Scott Frost himself. And that makes a big difference. That makes a big, big difference. And then the other thing is like, you can feel the passion and the love that they have for Nebraska football. When you talk to those guys and when you're around them and that ma- there's a reason like Mike Krzyzewski is always hiring former players as assistant coaches, because it kind of just means more when you suited it up, you suit, you put on the uniform, blood, sweat and tears and played at your alma mater. It's just different, right? Like it just is like, it Creighton's going to mean more to Kyle Corver than it does to some random guy that lives in, you know, he's from Seattle that didn't, you know, some assistant coach. Like it's just, it's how it is. And so I think anytime you can get that kind of passion, because I think that is one of the, I mean, all, all great things begin with passion. That all great things begin with a true passion and love for something. And, you can say whatever you want about Jason Peter and Jay Foreman, but you can't tell me they don't love Nebraska football. And, you know, I thought Jason put it well in the Lincoln Journal Star and Steve Sippel's article about, you know, kind of him being hired and the impact that he wants to make. And he said this, quote, I wouldn't have known how to be great, whether as a team or an individual, unless I was shown the path by older guys. Well, the program has struggled for such a long time now that we don't have the older guys to pass that knowledge down. We will hopefully help the players find a mentality that has them ready for battle every single day they wake up. A mentality that wants to compete every single time they walk on that field, whether it be for a practice or a game. Hopefully, we can show them how to be a team and how to play for one another. And so I I think that's really good. Because that is true. You know, I mean the beauty of the, the the Nebraska football program for you know 20 25 years 30 years and kind of all kind of coming to a head in the 90s was the the fact that what Jason pointed out that that a lot of those freshmen and sophomores got onto campus and they were shown the way by those older guys and that's kind of how this stuff works you know like people always talk about like how do you what is a culture and how do you know when you got it rolling as a as a football program or a basketball program well one of the number one ways is the upperclassmen are the ones like that are teaching the young guys, the ropes and how to do things, how to work, how to operate day to day. And those guys come in and just follow the lead. Like I know for me, when I was a freshman at Kansas, like I just looked at Aaron miles, who's, you know, the all time assist leader in big 12 history. And all I was like, I'm just going to do whatever he does, whatever he does. That's what I'm going to do. Right. And I felt that as I became a captain at Creighton, like, you know, those young guys, they're looking at me. You got to set an example and show them how to do things. And when you lose for such a long time and you have so much roster turnover, you lose that. And as much as we talk about a bunch of different things and what ails Nebraska football, that and what we're talking about is, is as big as anything. And maybe Jason and Jay, Jason Peter and Jay Foreman can come in and kind of help with that, just in a different way. In a different way. And so, you know, I know when we, we you know, you think about Jason, he's going to help out apparently in the weight room a lot with Zach Duvall and, and Jay Foreman's going to do more with the player development side of things with the new hire from that Frost made, a, a, a guy that he, that he worked with at Central Florida. You know, we think about Jason in the weight room and he'd just be like foaming at the mouth and F-bombing all over the place. And listen, he's going to do that. He's an intense dude. Like when Jason walks into a room, the, the the energy in the room changes. Like you feel him. And he'll do that, but I just think... Both those guys have a lot of life experience. You know, Jay Foreman with, you know, being the son of a legendary football player and then coming in and being, you know, winning two national titles. You don't think Jay's got a lot of experience? He does. And Jason, you don't think he's got a life experience on and off the field? Obviously, with his substance abuse stuff and him being able to beat that and uh, all the success he had as a player, like he's got a wealth of experience. And, you know, it's easy to kind of like you think about Jason and you think like, oh, he's just, you know, it's easier to kind of like stereotype him as like, oh, he's just a meathead. Like, no, you talk to Jason, he's a very thoughtful guy. He really is. So, I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, is it going to be the difference between Nebraska winning a national title or a Big Ten? I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. But, like, it makes a difference. It makes a difference to have multiple guys around the program that can help on a variety of levels, especially legends in the Husker program like Jason and, and Jay. So I like it, man. I like those two guys too, man. So I'm excited about it. I am. Can't, it certainly cannot hurt. Um, Next question, we'll go to Twitter for a handful here. Ben says, if you could play basketball anywhere, where would your top five places be? And he wrote down, like, you play in an aircraft carrier or, you know, so... I, I more so took it like literally, not like I want to play on Mars. I want to play uh, you know, on the moon. I want to play, in, you know, I'm going to take it and take it literally here. I I wrote down five places. Here would be top five places I would love to play basketball. And these are no no particular order. Number one, Madison Square Garden. Now, having been there for the Big East Tournament You know, you get a feel for it watching a game there. But, like, I remember the first time Creighton went and played in New York in their maiden voyage for the Big East, uh, in the Big East. They played St. John's at Madison Square Garden. And I got to, I went on that trip with the team, and uh, it was cool. Being able to walk onto the court uh, for shoot around was just incredible. You just think about all the legendary Knicks Bowls series in the 90s and all the. all the amazing basketball that's taking place in Madison Square Garden. You're like, man, this place is special. So that'd be one. Number two, staying in New York, Rucker Park. I mean, come on, right? Like, if you're a hooper, you're a real hooper, you want to go hoop at Rucker Park. Like, that's the that's the ultimate, like, you know, the the ultimate kind of essence of basketball. Pick up, show up, you know, l- losers get off the court, winners stay on the court. Mono y mono, kind of a alpha male environment. Rucker Park. The next one would be Cameron Indoor. I mean, one of the most legendary uh basketball venues in all of of the sport, but in particular college. It'd be pretty cool to see what that place is like. I've never been there. That's certainly on my list. Uh the next one would be the Staples Center. Uh, just because I've always kind of been a Lakers fan and just be cool to think about all the history that's taken place there. Um, you know, with with Kobe Bryant and everything. I mean, I'd, I'd have to put down the stable center and then this last one's lame because I've already played there but I have to throw an Allen Fieldhouse again because like I've yeah I've played there but that place is basketball heaven it's basketball heaven it's the best it's the best venue for a basketball game on planet Earth period it is so like if if I'm telling anybody that's never been to Allen Fieldhouse you come on like just figure out a time to go there you gotta go see it so those would be the five places I would want to go play um. Omaha Ben says, Nick, will it ever stop snowing? No, Ben, it's not. It's never going to stop. It's ridiculous. We have 59,000 inches of snow out there. It's never going to (laughs) stop. It's never going to stop. Sorry. Neil, uh, via Twitter, says, uh, Nick, will you be filling out a Munch Madness bracket? Uh, (laughs) For those that don't know, there's uh, Jack Mitchell uh, uh, with KLIN and Lincoln. He has created an NCAA tournament field of Lincoln restaurants. Uh. And, you know, with with 64 restaurants. And you know what's crazy? You know, being Lincoln, born and raised, and you now living back in Lincoln. Like, I really, like, going through all these, I'm like, I haven't eaten there. I haven't eaten there. I haven't eaten there. Like, I need to, st- I need to step up my restaurant game here a little bit. A um, couple of things when I was looking, like, I didn't see Runza. Maybe that's because it's, like, it's... Because that's kind of st- – like, it's not on that. I don't understand. Maybe that's fast food thing or because it's statewide. If not, that'd be your champion right there. Shouts out to Runza. Second of all, Valentino's isn't on it either. And maybe that's, again, because it's kind of statewide. Maybe this is, like, just a Lincoln thing. I mean, I will not, like, take any Valentino slander of any kind. Just won't do it. And then third of all, Piedmont Bistro. Dangerous five seed. I'm taking – I would take Piedmont Bistro all the way to the final four if I was filling it out. Man, those – those Brussels sprouts, your boys become a big Brussels sprouts guy. is that crazy how much you like change as an adult? Like when I go to any restaurant, the very first thing I look at when I get a menu is Brussels sprouts. Like do they have Brussels sprouts? <laughs> I want – I no matter what restaurant I'm at, no where, I will always order the Brussels sprouts. Period. Like quick – other than – I mean uh, like you give me a good steak and a good side of Brussels sprouts, I'm a happy human being. Quickly ascending – As one of my favorite foods. I mean, good Brussels sprouts. Oh, my God. It's delicious. Piedmont Bichos Brussels sprouts are fantastic. So there you go. Um, Charlie uh, via Twitter. He says, "Uh, Nick, how's this for a plan? Nebraska intentionally lets the sellout streak lapse for the 21 home opener by a loan ticket, which is then ceremoniously burned at the 50 during a halftime ritual. All vestiges removed. A new era can start. Okay, <laughs> pretty in-depth, intense idea. But I get the spirit of what Charlie is getting at um, with the sellout streak. And sometimes sometimes it does feel like the sellout streak for Nebraska football takes on, like, a, becomes a monster in our Husker football world and takes on this level of importance that is really, really interesting and fascinating to kind of think about. And it kind of, you know, I think in life and in sports – you you want to appreciate the past and you can can appreciate history and tradition, but you can't be a prisoner to it, right? You can't be more consumed about the past than you are the present. And sometimes it, it feels like we are all prisoners of the past. And like Colin Coward always says, like you can't live life looking through the rearview mirror. And... You know the the challenging thing for Nebraska football on a variety of levels is figuring out how to balance those two things: the the front windshield of the program, the future, the now versus that rear view mirror. Whether and and whether that's kind of the the fans and how their mentality is and what they think about and and or the actual football program, the people that are like you know inside the walls, the assistant coaches, the athletic administration, all that, and the, the sellout streak is is a really is is a fascinating thing for Nebraska fans because think think about this doesn't it kind of feel like the sellout streak is kind of the last living thing from the glory days of Nebraska Almost all the other elements of Nebraska's history and tradition of their, you know, 25, 30 years of dominance has either kind of ended or died or gone away or altered to a point where it's just kind of like, eh, except the sellout streak. right? You have a lot of the, a lot of the names and faces that were associated have kind of moved on and aren't a part of it. You you know, things like the black shirts tradition has just kind of gotten drugged through the mud and tri- like... Doesn't it doesn't have the same kind of uh that it used to have, except the sellout streak. And, you know, with the sellout streak, not only does it have a you know massive personal importance for the Nebraska, you know, program amongst the the, the fans and, and all that stuff, it also feels like kind of the only thing that Nebraska can point to nationally to put itself above other programs or in the conversation with top programs, right? You know, they're not winning a lot on the field. They're not hanging a lot of banners, but they can point to this this sellout streak and the fan support as, hey, look at this. We are an elite program. Look at this. And because of all that, it gets it gets talked about and it gets protected in this. You know, it gets protected kind of all the time. It's almost like uh Tom Hanks and in Castaway with Wilson, <laughs> Like we're in this kind of analogy. Tom Hanks is Nebraska football, and Wilson is the sellout streak. And if that sellout, stre- sellout streak ever ended, it would be like when Wilson kind of floated away off Hanks's little lifeboat to get off the island. Wilson, Wilson, I'm sorry, Wilson. Where it'd be like sellout streak. Sellout streak, I'm sorry, sellout streak. Right. and But what's funny about this, though, is anyone that's gone to a game over the, the course of the past 10, 15 years knows that the stadium hasn't been completely full numerous times. And listen, I get that the streak is about tickets sold, but still. I think most most Husker fans know this is a streak that is a little I don't know a little fib not fibbed but it's like it's kind of a technicality right? It's kind of a technicality. So I kind I hear what Charlie's saying. Do we all need to just kind of let the sellout streak go, or, or let me let me rephrase that? Stop being prisoner to it because I mean the sellout streak talking point literally becomes a reason for for putting a coach on the hot seat or firing a coach think about that now obviously tickets sold always become a a barometer of interest amongst the fans and and that becomes a, a an arrow that can be used against certain certain coaches I get that but like I mean it can be a used as a reason to fire a coach like well you know you can't you got to fire Riley because if he comes back the sellout streak might end Really, like, of all the reasons to fire Mike Riley, the sellout streaks high on your list. Not the the fact that you're not winning, not a, like the sellout streak. So it's it's a weird topic in Nebraska. Anybody that's a Nebraska fan and like they know it's it's a weird topic because it's always talking about. And again, I don't want to poo poo the significance of the streak in the record because it's a real thing. Like, I mean, say it out loud: selling out every game since 1962 is effing incredible. And it's, I know it's a great source of pride amongst the fans. It's living proof of loyalty. And I'd imagine it's, it's one of the top things also that Nebraska shows and tells recruits. Hey, man, listen. Come here. We sold out every game since 1962, dog. So I'm not saying the streak is dumb and holds zero significance in any form. I'm just saying at times it's taken on maybe greater significance in the minds of Nebraskans and created this weird dynamic where it's it's like it's it's holds everyone prisoner at times. So think, I'm not sure if I answered anything there but there there you go. There you go. Noah on uh Twitter says, "Nick, what made you leave radio for podcasting?" Um I've touched on this before, but it, you know, you know for me it, it, The first thing, there's a lot of different reasons. The first thing for me walking away from the radio, uh, from radio, doing it for 10 years, um, I, I kind of felt like doing a daily radio show and and calling games on TV for college basketball, it kind of felt like those two things were coming to a head and something was going to have to give at some point. Let's take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime pals and loyal supporters of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors. Yeah, you know, Pella has a window type for every home and every budget. And you might know Pella for its award-winning wood windows, but did you know that Pella also has a complete line of industry-leading patented fiberglass and vinyl windows? Pella's fiberglass windows use a patented Duracast material, more durable than aluminum or vinyl made from a composite material used in the aerospace industry for its strength, durability, and temperature resistance. It's big time right there. And Pella's vinyl window series offer all the features that make it one of the most energy efficient windows on the market with the same value and style you've come to expect from all Pella products with outstanding structural integrity. Built from multi-chambered, fully welded frames and sashes, Pella's vinyl windows assure a quieter, more comfortable home. Bottom line, Pella's vinyl and fiberglass windows are really, really cool. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, let's talk about my good friends at Runza. Got another super secret menu item not a lot of people know about. My friends at Runza are hooking me up, and I'm going to let you in on it. This one's just, uh, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's a twist on the best fries on earth us crinkle fries it's runza's chili cheese fries that's some legendary runza crinkle fries topped with their homemade chili and cheddar cheese sauce let me say that again in case some of you passed out just thinking about it legendary runza crinkle fries homemade chili cheddar cheese sauce oh my goodness it's a side that eats like a meal so there you go another super secret menu item exclusively for Nick Ba podcast listeners. So stop in, order the chili cheese fries and runza. And while you're there, tell them Nick Ba sent you. Okay. Back to the podcast. In my opinion, it's hard to give all you can to both at the same time. Doing a, for me, it was doing a three hour solo sports talk radio show five days a week. And kind of combining that with all the travel, all the prep, all the coaching and production meetings, all the film study that goes into calling college basketball games from early November to, to, to March. Like it's hard for those two things to coexist and do both to the level that you want to do it. There'd be sometimes I'd felt like one would suffer, right? I'd kind of go into a radio show be like, man, I was, watching, i watched a bunch of film instead of preparing this show's going to suck. And I hate that. Or I'd get I'd put on the headset to call a game like, man, i I had to do a I had to find a studio in Indianapolis and I felt like I was all I focused on today was the radio show. I don't feel as prepared for this game. And that sucks. And so I felt like first of all, I felt like something had to give. And then I also kind of felt like I, I needed a change personally. And Matt Matt Chick used to always give me a line when we'd kind of talk about life and all that stuff. And he I think he used this line when he when he made a decision to to get into radio uh, in, in 2009 and kind of walk away from TV for a little bit, but he had a line of, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I kind of felt like I hit a point with radio at 1620 in Omaha, where I kind of felt like I had, I'd hit a ceiling of growth. Per, like whether that's, you know, I mean, everybody can get better, I suppose, but I just felt like I, I I'd hit a ceiling. I mean, again, I'd been doing radio for a full decade, 10 years, 2009 to 2019. And I, I don't know. It's like I had kind of done it all from an ego notoriety standpoint, right? All those stupid things that we kind of want to scratch our that ego part. Like I had been number one in the ratings. I was the sportscaster of the year in 2016. I had, my show had got national acclaim from Radio Inc. Magazine and Barrett Sports Media. I then even got a taste of uh, getting called up to do some national sports talk radio on Fox. Like, I i, I felt like I'd, I'd, I'd checked a lot of those boxes. And I, I, part of it, I felt like I was ready for a change and a new challenge. And, you know, not to mention, I don't want to get too deep in this, there had been some changes in management at the radio station that I wasn't too crazy about. And it was just all those things combined with the fact that I was ready for a change. And I made the decision and, you know, I had always been, you you know, you can't fight what you think about when your head hits the pillow at night about your career and what you want. You know what I mean? Like you can't lie to yourself. And I just, for, for, for years before I actually launched, I was like, I want to do my own podcast. I want to, I want to do or my, I want to, I want to launch my own pod. And I also think this is kind of true in any industry. There's that kind of, there's that, that saying of, uh, you know, I think sometimes you, you, you don't want to skate where the the puck is at. You want to skate to where the puck is going. You know? You don't want to skate to where the puck's at. You want to skate to where the puck's going. And to me, where a lot of a lot of, the podcast space is where the, the puck is going. Content on demand is where the puck is going. I'm not saying there isn't a place for, for you know, local sports talk radio. There will always be. There will always be a place for local sports talk radio always but i know for me it's just that that the podcast space is exploding and even though it's not new i think it's it's it is still in its infancy stages and i also kind of looked around the landscape of nebraska and and the market and my audience and i was like you know what i could kind of be the first sports-centric podcast in this area and all that stuff like it felt like it made sense plus i just i love the freedom it presents you know, like, I just, I always hated, I got to the point where I was tired of being constrained with the time and and format of radio, where it's like, you could be having a great interview with Dirk Chatlin, and you're, you know, and and you'd have to go to, you're up against a break, so you'd have to end it. Right? Like, and I don't know, I mean, part of me sometimes, like, how good of a conversation can you really have with someone in seven minutes? And I also always felt like certain people, when they'd come on a radio show, they go into radio mode. Right, where there, are, you know, it's more PC and all that stuff. I think podcasting lends itself to a more conversational, unbuttoned, relaxed type of deal. Like, so I, I like the freedom of the format. I mean, if I want to drink a bottle of wine, get a little tipsy, and cuss with Bo Rude for ninety minutes, I can. If I want to have Jason Peter on and have him tell X-rated stories from his times at Nebraska, I can do that. Right? If I want to do sixty-minute in-depth recaps of old Husker football games with Bo Rude, I can do that. I can do whatever I I want with it. And that is super appealing. So you combine all that with the fact, uh, you know, with also the fact that doing two to three podcasts a week works better with my college basketball TV duties. It just all kind of made sense. It all kind of made sense. At Five Star Foul, Five Star Foul on Twitter, says if you could create an all-time starting five at Creighton, who would be on the floor with you? okay so here he said you so I guess <laughs> I guess I gotta be in the all-time Creighton starting five which is just laughable right just laughable but I'm gonna be okay so if I got to include myself when I'm picking the other four players to me there's a pool of a handful of players that that rise above in the history of Creighton basketball Doug McDermott, Kyle Korver, Paul Silas, Benoit Benjamin, Rodney Buford, Ryan Sears, you know, Chad Gallagher, Bob Hardstead. I'd throw Marcus Zegarowski in there. I think he's got a chance to be the, the greatest point guard in Creighton history when it's all said and done. But those are the, I mean, there's been a lot of great players, but those are the ones that rise above to me. And to me, you have two for sure locks in, in Doug McDermott and Kyle Korver. Then I, you know, for me, okay, then you got two big guys to kind of figure out. You got Paul Silas and Benoit Benjamin. And both those guys were Beast. But I gotta go with Paul Silas. I mean, Paul Silas's rebounding numbers are like you feel like they can't even be true. His his rebounding numbers at Creighton were out of this world. I mean, his he was an unbelievable player at Creighton. So I would say the the lineup locks now are Doug, Kyle, and Paul Silas. Then the question kind of becomes, okay, do I want to throw a point guard out there so I can play the two, i.e., I throw Ryan Sears at the point so the lineup would be Sears, me, Doug, Kyle, and Paul Silas? But there's this guy named Rodney Buford that I feel like has to be in it. It's at the point now where Buford's like criminally underrated almost amongst Creighton basketball conversations. He was the all-time leading scorer until Doug broke his record. I just feel like Buf doesn't get talked about. It Buf was a problem played in the league for a long time too. Like, so I think what I want to do, I I would do this. I could play point guard. I mean, I played point guard, mostly at Kansas. I started at point guard at the beginning of my junior year at Creighton. I, w- I was a combo guard. I mean, I was, I was, my big thing was a, as it was, I was a shooter, but I could handle the ball. So how about, how about this? In order to make room for Rodney Buford, who's got to be in the all time Creighton starting five. He was incredible. Here we go. Here's the official starting five. If I have to include myself, me at the point guard, Buford and Kyle Corver on the wings, Dougie McDermott as the stretch four, and then Paul Silas as the rebounding machine at the five. My assist number is about to go through the roof, and you better just make space for a championship banner with that starting five right there. Incredible, right? Pick the one that doesn't belong. Nick Ball, Roddy Buford, Kyle Corver, Doug McDermott, Paul Silas. <laughs> All right, let's go to the email. A uh, couple of these here. So Dwight says, hi, Nick, question for uh, your mailbag pod. If you go back in time and call a collegiate game of any historical great, taking into account uh, only what they did in college, who would it be? W- would the team around the star matter in your decision or would it just choose the star? Also, if you could specify your play-by-play colleague for the call, would you choose a modern contemporary like Kugler or choose someone from that area? Thanks for your time. Love the pods and listening to your analysis on games. up the excellent work. That's from Dwight. Thanks, Dwight. Appreciate you, pal. Um, well, first of all, i definitely go with Kugler. I got to go with my guy. I'm going to go. So it's me and Kugler. And then, God, it's – I wrote down four game. There are four games that come to mind. The 1992 regional final, Duke of Kentucky. That's the Christian Leitner shot. I mean, it's it's one of the most iconic shots in, in college history. The 1979 national championship game, Michigan State, Indiana State, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Still, I believe, the most watched college basketball game of all time. 1983 NC State, Jim the 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 tipping at the buzzer, Jim Valvano running all over the court. The 1982 national championship game, North Carolina, Georgetown, Jordan's game winner as a freshman, and I, it's hard to not. I'd either go, I'd, I'd I'd go with either the the 1982 national title game. I mean, just because you got worthy on the floor, you got patrick ewing on the floor, you got michael jordan on the floor, you got john thompson on one sideline, you got dean smith on the other sideline and it's it's kind of the first big moment for michael jordan who goes on to be the greatest player ever to walk earth. Right? Like he hits the game winner in the going against the the 2-1-2 zone from kind of the left corner, left wing corner area. So it'd be hard to not choose that game. It would also be hard to, to to not want to choose the 1979 National Championship game. I mean, you get Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I mean, it'd be it would be pretty cool to see the beginning of what was, you know, a rivalry that would really kind of save the NBA in the 80s with Bird and Magic uh, ultimately with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. So it would be one of those two. It would be Nick Ball, Kevin Kugler on the call for the 1979 national title game, Bird Magic, Michigan State, Indiana State, or the 1982 national title game, North Carolina, Georgetown. You get to watch Michael Jordan as a freshman hit a game winner to kind of begin the legend that was Jordan. There you go. Ryan says, Nick, hope all is well. Uh, What are the chances Paul Lusk? Get some head coaching offers after the season. He's proven to be a great asset for the defensive scheme, which has elevated the program. Yeah, I. Paul Lusk, assistant coach for the Creighton Blue Jays. He was an, he was an assistant coach for a long time at Purdue under Matt Painter, and then he was the head coach at Missouri State before he got let go and ultimately got hired a couple of years ago at Creighton. Um, I never know how to fully assess that, like in terms of assistants, getting a head job, or guys that have been a head coach and getting another crack at it after being an assistant. I love Paul Lusk, and he's a great dude, first of all. And I certainly think he's had a pretty impressive impact on the Creighton program that is undeniable and be pretty attractive for other programs. Like, he's he's arguably the most underrated component to Creighton's kind of big rise the past two seasons because Creighton's always been lights out on offense. But it, it took Paul Luss coming on board and basically becoming Creighton's de facto defensive coordinator for a significant jump on that side of the ball to be made. And, you know, the numbers kind of bear it out. This is These are the best defenses Creighton's had. Greg McDermott, uh, he said this year that this is the best defensive team he's had in his time at Creighton. I'd agree with that, and I think it has a lot to do with Paul Lusk. And what's weird is, you know, Creighton's had some good individual defenders and in Kyrie Thomas and Justin Patton over the years, even Tyshawn last year. But I, I think Lusk has done a good job creating this collective defense. And I, I, he's made a huge difference. Creighton's always been kind of like a, a team that's been scouting report specific, and they'll just they'll try to like be kind of gimmicky with like how their defensive game plan is. And they they still will do some interesting things that are tough to deal with and not guarding guys outside of 15 feet and really helping off dudes and all that stuff. But I just think I think Lusk has created a system and you know a connectedness on that end of the floor that has really been impressive. he's made a, Paul Lusk has made a huge difference. He's a huge hire for Greg McDermott. And I've always liked that Greg McDermott has two guys on his staff that have been head coaches, Steve Murfeld, who's the head coach at Hampton. We've seen the infamous, you know, the highlights of Hampton beating Iowa state, Jamal Tinsley, Marcus Pfizer, and you know, Murfeld getting picked up like a baby after the game. Uh, And then Paul Lusk, who's been a head coach. Like that makes a difference. Those guys that have sat in that chair, know what it's like. Um, Yeah. So, not sure to to Ryan's question. Like, it wouldn't surprise me to get him, get some looks given the success he's had at Creighton, but you kind of just, you never, you never fully know. Sticking with Creighton, Dave uh, emails emails in and says, Nick, what has surprised you most about Creighton's season? Oh, man. I mean, it's weird. The season hasn't gone quite how, uh, it hasn't maybe looked at times how a lot of people thought it would look. Um, I I would say. I, I try to think about what I thought heading into the season. I would say one of the things that's been surprising me is I thought Creighton would miss, miss Tyshawn Alexander more on defense than on offense. And I and quite frankly, I didn't think they'd miss him that much. Like, i not say he wasn't a great player, but I thought they'd kind of continue to march on. I think they've missed Tyshawn way more than I thought they would, and they miss him more on offense, I think, than on defense. I've talked about this, like, they sometimes it feels like Creighton's another ball handler creator short. That's why they've had to throw Sharif Mitchell out there a few times to play with Zagorowski to have another guy that can come off a ball screen and make a play. You know, like Damian Jefferson's more of like a mismatch isolation driver than he has come off a ball screen, and make a play. Uh, Denzel Mahoney's coming off screens to shoot. He's just got that mentality and Mitch just isn't a great creator. And so I think they've, I've, and because of that, I think that spills into how I've. Uh, another thing has been surprising. Just I thought there'd be more nights where they'd just be a buzzsaw, lights out, jaw droppingly good on offense. There haven't been as many nights as I there there I'd anticipated. Uh, you know, on the, on a good note, I'd say I'm. I just continue to be surprised in in a in a pleasant way with with Damian Jefferson and Christian Bishop's improvement. It's like these guys get freaking better every single game. It's just, when I think about how they were two years ago and how they are now, it's it's just, it's remarkable. So that continue, even though, you know, you shouldn't be surprised by it, that continues to surprise me. And then just how much Ryan Kalkbrenner has made a big difference. Like, you, you never know with freshman big guys how big of an impact they can make. You just never know. But he's made a big difference. You never know if they're physically going to be there. He's provided rim protection. He's provided... Uh, someone that can throw into to the post and, and get good points in the paint with him. He's made a big, big difference. So that's been a little bit surprising as well. We're about to, the 40 minute mark. We'll wrap it up there. We'll wrap it up there. Appreciate everybody's emails, man, and, and tweets and Facebook messages. If I, if I didn't get to your question, I apologize. I'll try to we I, I need to do this like once a month, uh, try to get to, to everyone's question. I always love doing this, man. I hope you guys enjoy this. This is one of my favorite pods to do. Just, you know, stockpile a bunch of questions and talk for 40, 45 minutes. I just love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Appreciate everybody's uh, input. And uh, make sure you continue to to subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and a review. Uh, At any time, you can email me, Nick, at NickBot.com. Always love getting your feedback, any thoughts, what you like about the pod, what you don't like, what you want more of, whatever. Uh, Hit me up, man. Appreciate your support of the podcast. We'll catch you next time on the Nick Bob podcast. All right. My thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. India Production